In today's episode, we're talking about Augustine. Augustine was born in Africa in the year 354 AD. He was not African, however. His parents were Latin immigrants to Africa, and if he was alive today, he would have been Italian. Augustine grew up in Africa and had an interesting childhood. He didn't like school and he mostly didn't like math. As a little boy, he'd rather be outside playing with his friends, and playing with his friends usually meant getting into trouble. One day, Augustine and his friends decided to go into a neighbor's field at night and steal all the pears off his tree. Augustine had a pear tree in his own yard, a nicer pear tree with really good pears. He didn't want some pears, he wanted to do something bad. It was the actual act of sneaking into the yard and stealing the pears off of the trees that he found exciting. The boys got away with it, and then they realized they were literally carrying around evidence that they were the thieves. They tried eating the pears, but they were not good pears. So they dumped them off at another farm, a pig farm, and the pigs had a great evening snack of pears. This was the kind of kid Augustine was. His father was a pagan. That meant he worshipped the gods at the temple. He was part of the Roman worship. His mother was a devout Christian, and her name was Monica. Monica tried to raise her son to love God and follow the church's teachings, but Augustine thought her ideas were womanly and ignorant. His father, now that was a real man, and Augustine wanted to follow him. By a real man, Augustine's father was really just a man who chased his own desires at all costs. One of those desires was women. His father had mistresses that he visited often, and as a young boy, Augustine was told about these mistresses, and his father taught him how to woo the ladies. And as a child, Augustine became sexually active. By the time he was 17 years old, he had moved into a house with a mistress. Soon, a proper woman was found for Augustine to marry. He agreed after his father reminded him he could keep his mistress on the side. But before the wedding, Augustine backed out. He was too interested in being with many women, and he didn't want to be married. Monica tried to get Augustine to read the Bible, and finally he agreed. He came back to her with the Bible and said he had read it. It's rude and violent and poorly written. I'm too intelligent for such books. And with that, he gave the Bible back. Augustine was very smart, although he never did become good at math. He was a great writer and speaker, and soon he headed off to Carthage to attend college. At school, he wanted the other kids to think of him as one of the bad kids, so he got involved in as many shenanigans as possible. Even though he found some of the activities to be pointless and not really all that much fun, he really wanted his new friends to think he was just as bad as them, so he went along with it. There was one activity he found hilarious. A group of boys would get together and run into a classroom as a mob. They would make lots of noise, knock things over, make a mess, and then run out of the classroom before the professor even knew what was happening. This particular activity would come back to haunt him. Of course, he also loved the girls and had one mistress in particular he loved being with. She got pregnant and Augustine had a son. Needing a job now, he ended up getting a job at the college as a teacher. This was because he was such a good speaker and writer. But the mob of boys now found 
his classroom to be the one they loved to run into. And Augustine found it very disruptive and extremely annoying. In fact, he soon realized he didn't even want to teach anymore. Augustine decided to go to Rome to teach and immediately found this new job much better. The students wanted to learn and there was no more troublemakers. However, he soon found a new problem. The students would start missing classes right before the classes ended and they would simply disappear before the bill was paid. This meant Augustine had no money. He was pretty frustrated by this and one day he was approached by a man. It was a senator. Augustine, I've heard you speak. You are very good at persuading. Have you heard about our problems with the altar of victory? Yes, you want the altar back in the Senate. What's the holdup? It's Ambrose. The church? The church is holding you up? That is infuriating. Right? We have to turn the people against Ambrose. Do you think you could help us? I can persuade anyone to do anything. And with that, Augustine got ready to move to Milan to work for the senator. He would convince people to do what the Empress Justine wanted and go against Ambrose. And he would make sure Justine wanted to do what the Senate wanted to do. It would be Augustine's job to make sure the Senate got what they wanted. Augustine wanted to have some kind of religion. Not his mother's religion, but something. He found Manichees interesting. It was the idea that there were two gods, a good god and a bad god, and they fought each other. Now, to learn more about the religion, you had to do tasks the leaders told you to do. And then they would give you a little information. And then if you did more tasks, you would get more information. It was what is called a mystery religion. Monica found out that Augustine was becoming a Manichae, and she began to weep. She found a man who had left the Manichae religion and begged him to please talk to Augustine. The man saw Monica crying, and he said, There's no way God will allow a mother who cries and prays like this to be lost. Keep praying. God will save your child. Shortly after that day, Augustine lost interest in the religion. Augustine had now started his new job with the Senate. He decided he needed to hear this Ambrose speak. He went to the church and sat in the service. He quickly saw why the church loved Ambrose. He was a great speaker. Augustine enjoyed hearing him preach. He looked at the Bible differently than Augustine had looked at it before. Ambrose believed that many parts of the Bible were not to be taken literally, but they were pictures and examples of what to do. Ambrose especially saw Revelation as a work of literature that was not to be taken seriously. Augustine went away with the desire to read the Bible now from a new perspective. At this point, Augustine became part of what was the biggest controversy of the time. Arius teaching versus the Trinity. Is Jesus God? At this point, the Trinity had really won the debate, but Justine was a follower of Arius' teachings. The Senate knew this debate was the best way to stir up problems, so they convinced Justine that she needed her own church and it would be Augustine's job to make it happen. Justine told Ambrose he must leave his church and give it to the Empire. It would become an Arius church. The members of the church then all went to the church to stand the ground with Ambrose. When Augustine arrived to convince the church to leave, he found his mother in the group with the church. Not just his mother, his son and the mother of his son. 
The church refused to back down, and the empress decided to stop the fight. You can hear more about this part of the story in last week's episode about Ambrose. Augustine continued to read the Bible and listen to Ambrose preach. One day, he was in the garden outside the church, and he began to pray. And then he began to cry. God, make me a Christian, but not yet. You see, Augustine believed Jesus was and is God. He believed he died and rose again. He believed Jesus was the only way to heaven, but he didn't want to forsake his sin. Augustine knew God was real. He wanted to be a Christian, but he knew being a Christian would mean walking away from his sin. And for Augustine, his sin was women. The thought of living without mistresses was unbearable. Augustine understood that becoming a Christian meant confessing your sin, repenting of your sin, and deciding that from this point on you will live your life the way God wants you to live your life and not the way you want to. It wasn't just saying words. He would be giving his life to God. As he lay there on the ground weeping, he heard a child singing a song. Take and read, take and read. He looked up, but he couldn't see a child. He went into the church and looked at the Bible, and it was open to Romans chapter 13, verse 13 and 14, and he read, Let us behave decently, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. He fell to his knees and repented of his sin and gave his life to Jesus. Shortly after he was baptized, his son was baptized the same day. Monica was there for the baptism, tears of joy as she watched her prayers answered. Shortly after this, Monica and Augustine were standing by a river. Monica told him she had prayed for him for years, and one day she had a vision and a man had told her Augustine would be a Christian one day. Now that he was a Christian, she was ready to go to Jesus. The next day she became ill, and Monica died one week later. Augustine and some of his new friends moved to a farm his father owned. They lived off the farm and spent their days studying the Bible and talking theology. Augustine lived there for a few years. One day, Augustine traveled to Hippo. It was supposed to be a short trip. On the Sunday, he visited a church. The preacher saw him walk in and immediately changed his message. He preached about how he needed a helper in the church, one who spoke and read Latin. The whole church turned to look at Augustine. Now, that's uncomfortable. Soon the look turned to pointing and then shouting and then chanting his name. And with that, Augustine got a new job. So he moved to Hippo. Augustine ended up taking over the church in Hippo and ended up having to deal with a rather large problem. At this time, the church was still called Catholic, which meant the universal church. A group who went against the Catholic church was, was a Donatist group. These two groups fought over a very interesting question. In our past episodes, we talked about the brave Christians who refused to worship the state gods or denounce Jesus as God. These brave men and women were fed to lions, 
burned alive, beaten to death. Some were tortured and survived, returning to the church blind or missing limbs. But some Christians were not as brave. Some gave in to the fear and worshipped the state god. Some denounced Jesus saying he was not God. Some returned home unharmed. What was the church to do with these people? Jesus said, those who deny me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. The church decided that those who truly repent could be forgiven and remain in the church. But a group known as the Donatist group said there was no forgiveness for these people and they should be thrown forever from the church. After Constantine made Christianity legal and the church could worship in peace, this argument became more well known. Constantine, if you remember, really wanted people to get along and always seemed to side with the underdogs. So he wanted the Christians who denied Jesus to be reinstated into the church. He made it illegal for the church to deny entrance to those who had failed this persecution test. At this point, large parts of Africa were following the Donatist teaching. They were very angry as churches started to allow these Christians re-entry into the church. They began to attack the churches who were allowing them in. They burned the churches to the ground and even beat the priests. The conflict between the Christians and the Donatist group was still going strong when Augustine was leaving in Hippo. Because Augustine was so good at debating, he challenged the Donatists to a debate. He was sure he would be able to end the conflict, but it did not go well. Augustine, in his anger, said, Compel them to come in, but if you can't compel them, send soldiers to beat them and burn their churches. With that, people felt empowered to attack and even kill those who were part of the Donatist teaching. Just a reminder, church splits and conflicts have always been part of the church, and it's not a new thing. Augustine's words were used for decades as a way for the church to excuse the practice of using physical force to attack those who believed differently. This would come out very strongly when the church began attacking the Jewish people. We're going to get into that dark part of church history in a few weeks. Augustine began writing books. He wrote many, many books. Most are still in print today. He wrote The Confessions. This was an autobiography of his life. It was the first ever autobiography ever written, and it's still in print today. He wrote many other books, and his teachings changed the church. Some of his teachings are controversial. We're going to talk about that at the end of this episode. During this time, Rome was under constant attack from neighboring barbaric nations. Rome had over the years continually raised taxes. People began to see themselves as slaves of the state and no longer free men. The men who had money moved out of the cities and into the country to get away from the taxes. People began to lose faith in Rome and they wanted to be free. At one point, being a Roman was something people were proud of and the countries ruled by Rome were mostly happy with Rome and glad to be part of the empire. But with the large taxes, people lost the ability to get ahead and civic pride began to disappear. This was one of the many reasons for his civil war and riots and Rome had a lot of civil war and riots. 
Most of these ended with the deaths of the emperors. In fact, in just 75 years, Rome had more than 20 men ruling over it. Around this time, there was a large migration of people escaping the Huns who were invading what is today Europe. The Huns attacked the German tribes, and the people who survived ran to the areas controlled by Rome in hopes the Roman army would be able to defeat the Huns. But the empire was having a hard time getting people to join the army. The once large army with proud soldiers was now so small that Rome had to hire people from outside of Rome to fight in its army. The Roman army was no longer made of Romans. The ones hired cared about power, but they didn't care about Rome, and there was no loyalty. Meanwhile, Rome had decided to let migrants into the Roman Empire. However, they treated these migrants very poorly, and eventually they rose up and fought back against Rome from the inside. The barbarians took control of Britain, and then Spain, and then most of North Africa. As the Roman Empire was falling apart, people blamed the church. They said people had once had allegiance to Rome, but now they had allegiance to the church. Once they had all worshipped together, the altar of victory had been at the center of the Senate. They had ruled the world together, but now the church had taken away the one thing that combined all of Rome. Its culture was gone, and most people believed it was stolen by the church. Augustine wrote a book called The City of God in response to this argument. While there are a lot of great things in this book, there are some really bad things. Most importantly, there's a lot of extremely anti-Jewish writings in the book. These anti-Jewish writings would be used in the future to excuse the attacks the church would make on the Jewish people. Like I said, that's coming up in a few episodes. The book overall, though, was a book of hope, a reminder that our home is not here on earth, but in heaven. Even today, as we see Western civilization slowly dying, we can be afraid. What will happen if the West falls? Could even the United States of America fall? For me, not even a citizen of America, I understand that if America falls, all of the West is lost. Can we still have hope if that happens? The answer is yes, because we're going to an even greater place, heaven. This place is not our home, like the song says, we're just passing through. For the Christians in Rome, this was the hope. This is what held them through, the reminder that their hope was not in Rome, but in God. News came that the barbarians were taking Hippo. Augustine prayed that God would either save Hippo or allow him to enter heaven before the city fell. Augustine died as Hippo was falling, and he never saw the fall of his city. City by city, Rome was falling. Rome was losing its stronghold on the world. At this time, the Roman Empire was named Romulus. He was an interesting man. He didn't seem to care that Rome was losing the battles. Romulus had a love for hens. His favorite hen he named Rome. Finally, the barbarians reached Rome. They attacked the city in the year 476. Your Majesty, Rome has perished. Romulus fell into a chair. No, this can't be true. How can this be? 
Just a few minutes ago, she was eating out of my hand. How did this happen? Wait, what? What are you talking about? No, not the hen, not your hen. The city of Rome. Rome, the city of Rome. It's gone. It's perished. Oh, Rome is still alive? Oh, good. That's good news. Yes, the emperor didn't care that Rome fell as long as his hen was still alive. And that is how the city of Rome fell. One thing I noticed as I study history is how it repeats itself. A great empire that seemed untouchable began overtaxing its citizens. It allowed large migration into the empire that had no love or respect for the empire. A military that lost its status in the community and was unable to find men willing to fight. And a church busy fighting amongst themselves and in complacency because of the freedom they had. And a leader who was insane. We could be talking about today, but we're talking about the world in which Augustine was preaching. The life of Augustine is one that is very controversial because people question if he was a Christian or not. It would seem to me he was a Christian. We can see from his conversion that he wrestled with his sin and knew that choosing to follow Christ meant choosing to leave his sin behind. He believed Jesus is God. He believed he died and rose again. He was truly sorry and repentant of his sin. So yes, he was a Christian. But was his doctrine correct? Well, remember he sat under the teaching of Ambrose, who believed large parts of the Bible were not literal. Ambrose also did not believe in the soon return of Jesus Christ, as the apostles had believed. Augustine also was teaching the ideas of salvation through baptism and grace. He said the Old Testament canon included the Apocrypha. He believed that when you took communion, God changed the bread and wine into literally the blood and body of Jesus Christ. He also believed you had to take the Lord's Supper to be a Christian. He taught that someone could become a Christian after they died if you prayed for them to be saved. He believed you could pray to saints who died and they could talk to you. He believed in penance as a way to get forgiveness. The Catholic Church, which had meant the universal church, was by the end of Augustine's life closely resembling what the Catholic Church is today. The doctrines were being set, and the Catholic Church today acknowledges this. The Catholic Church isn't the only one that claims Augustine's teachings as crucial to their doctrine. The Calvinists also claim Augustine's teachings as important to them. Augustine's teachings were foundational to the ideas of predestination, especially his ideas of grace. We'll get into that in an upcoming podcast when this debate really rises up. Augustine was clearly a man who changed history, and he lived at a time when the world was changing drastically. Rome was falling, and the church was entering the Dark Ages. And that is why we read and study church history, not because we believe that everything the church said or taught was right, but because as Christians, it's our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. In our next episode, we're going to look at a man who was perhaps the first pope. We see the spread of the church, and we meet the Anglo-Saxon tribe and how the gospel reached and changed them. And for the English-speaking church, this is kind of an important part of our history. We're going to learn how England got its name, so much more. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Also, do you have a message you want to share? If you're looking to start a podcast, contact me for help. 
My production company would love to help turn your message into a great podcast. For more blogs, videos, and podcasts, and to learn how I can help you get your podcast started, check out lauraleesiemens.com.